Hi, I'm Greg Lefebvre, and this is The Compulsive Storyteller, a series of short personal stories where we explore the idea that truth can be stranger than fiction. This week's episode, entitled 47 in Dog Years, takes us to an ugly confrontation in Greenwich Village in Manhattan. They say that dogs are just a small part of our lives, but to them, we're their whole lives. T and I have been together for 47 dog years when we run into serious trouble and even a death threat from the French restaurant next door. This episode is part of a trilogy and should be listened to after the first episode entitled Stray Pup. Forty-seven in dog years. Tia, the stray pup that I adopted, has been in my life now for seven years, which is forty-seven in dog years. This equation has never made a lot of sense in that Great Danes rarely live past ten, and little tiny chihuahuas often live to seventeen. But then again, the equation would also make Snoop Dogg to be three-fifty. Over time... Tia and I have gotten quite familiar with each other. As with any long-term relationship, be it with a human or a furry friend, you grow to accommodate one another's needs. For me, this has meant deciding not to live in my art studio anymore so that Tia can get some long walks going back and forth between the studio and my new first-floor, one-room apartment in the West Village. It's tucked behind a French restaurant, so it's easy access for the both of us. There is one catch, though. The apartment shares a wall with the restaurant. I consider this when signing the lease, but Tia seems so happy in the new spot that I choose to move in. The things we do for the ones we love. Now, a month later, it's three in the morning, and there is the usual smash of a mop bucket against the other side of our wall which adjoins the restaurant. Tia is up, furiously barking and growling at the wall. Then they start banging pots and pans together, and I realize that they're actually taunting her. I can hear some of the cleanup crew laughing. I'm furious now, too. I fly out of bed and go around to the front of the darkened restaurant to pound on the glass door. There is a momentary shaft of light from the open kitchen door while someone looks out at me, and then the door is closed for good. I head back to bed. Tia has quieted down, but then as soon as I get back in bed, They drop a trash bag full of the night's empty wine bottles out the kitchen window, and it smashes down below in the basement alleyway. Again, Tia goes nuts, and I can hear the laughter from behind the wall. That's it. Tomorrow I go see the owner. I'm so upset, I won't be able to sleep, so I decide to write an entry in my dog journal. I still keep the journal from when I first met Tia, but I rarely make entries except when Tia does something that harkens back to her PTSD or something she does that's particularly intelligent or funny. Now, after all these years, the diary reads like a little window into our relationship and I can flip through and see how her patterns and mine have changed over the years. I realize again that it wasn't until the third year with me that she got over the most obvious effects of her PTSD. Once she no longer expected to always be hungry or to be chased or have stones thrown at her, Tia's incredible intelligence began to shine through the dark clouds of her early days on the streets in Harlem. 
Here's an entry from three years ago when I first realized that she was super smart. Dear Diary, I have taught Tia to sit and to extend her paw to shake. I decide to teach her a new trick, so I take half a dog biscuit in one hand, being careful not to touch it and get the scent on my other hand. I tell her to sit, then I present her with two closed fists. She sniffs both vigorously, then taps the top of the first, containing the biscuit, with her paw. I'm amazed. She's taught herself the trick. I do some reading about dog intelligence. Psychologist Stanley Cohen, after surveying almost 200 dog obedience judges, evaluated dogs' intelligence based on three categories, instincts, obedience, and the ability to adapt. Tia possesses the ability to adapt in spades. Here's another entry from that same period. Dear Diary, We eat out a lot together, and since dogs are not allowed in restaurants, I have a deal with many eating establishments where they save a small table in the front window for me so I can tie up Tia outside and keep an eye on her. For the first half of the meal, she sits with her back to me, facing out, and crosses her paws. This simple trick garners an incredible amount of positive attention from passerbys. Oh, look, that's so cute, is the common refrain. Then she gets to soak up lots of love and some treats as well. Toward the end of my meal, she turns around and completely devotes her attention to the progress of my eating, knowing that there will be a treat coming. The scary part of this routine is that sometimes I'll think while eating, maybe Tia would like this, and her ears perk up just as I have the thought. I probably have a tell of some sort, but if I do, I can't figure out what it is. Reading these old journal entries eases my mind, and I'm able to get some sleep now that the restaurant has quieted down. In the afternoon, I go into the French restaurant and sit down for a drink at the empty bar. One of the two owners, a once famous Moroccan soccer player, comes behind the bar and introduces himself as Ahmed, mentioning that he's seen me coming and going with my dog. What can I get for you, my friend? Compliments of the house, he asks with a heavy accent. I'm friendly and talk a little soccer and this and that, and then I ask about the noise from the cleanup crew. He assures me that he will talk to them while he pours me my second free drink. The next night, nothing has changed, so the following morning I return to the bar and ask the owner if I can see the kitchen so I can figure out how to fix the problem. He's mildly friendly and shows me the setup. There are racks of pots and pans hanging against our common wall, as well as a mop closet. In the corner by the window is a big trash bag with a clear plastic liner where the empty bottles go. He agrees to let me come in and apply rubber soundproof matting to the grimy indented old tin wall. It takes me a couple days to get all my materials together, but when I come in to do the job with my tools and rolls of black rubber, he says he's changed his mind. Listen, my friend, I don't want your rubber mats on my wall because they'll be hard to clean. I will talk to the cleanup crew again about the noise. Another night of kitchen noise and Tia's barking leads me to again seek comfort in my dog journal. I flip through, looking for a funny entry because I need some cheering up. 
Dear Diary, I've taught Dee how to run on the leash by my side as I ride my bike. I hold the leash looped so she can break free if there's a problem. I know it's dangerous, but it's great exercise for her, and she's definitely into it. Tia likes a mission. Today it's raining, and we stop on the street at a red light, where, standing on the corner is a distinguished British gentleman wearing what looks like a Savile Row pinstripe and holding aloft his large, expensive black umbrella. Just then, a nearby truck backfires, and Tia rockets away from the sound, darting behind the gentleman, and as I hold tight on the leash so she can't run off, she boomerangs in a circle around him. As the leash wraps around his mid-calves and Tia continues to pull frantically, he falls off the curb, flat into a large puddle. The guy really is a gentleman, and smiles as he picks himself up, completely muddy and wet. Since his umbrella is destroyed, he stands there laughing even harder. We've all experienced that wonderful moment in life when we give up trying to stay dry in a downpour and just luxuriate in getting soaked. This was his moment, and to his great credit, he laughs even harder as he turns up his dripping wet face into the downpour. Over the next few weeks, things really start to go to hell. Late one night, I take Tia out for a walk past a whole team of soccer players drinking and toasting in the bar. As we pass, they quiet down, and then someone says something in Arabic that makes them all laugh. I'm sure the words aren't kind, and even Tia knows it. Her back hairs go up, and her tail ceases to wag. At another afternoon meeting with Ahmed, I tell him that I do a lot of public artwork for the city government, and I have friends in the city's health department. Before I can go on, he stops me. Listen, my friend. You threaten my restaurant, you threaten my life. After a long pause accompanied by a fierce eye contact, he says, Your dog seems like a nice one. It would be a shame if she ate some rat poison coming and going from your apartment. There's a lot of rats in the neighborhood and many places to set poison bait. I jump up, pay for my own drink, and leave without a word. Just as I reach the door, he suggests, maybe you should move. Again, I find myself awake at 2 a.m. after tonight's episode of Tia growling and barking at the wall. I'm sure that this behavior comes from her PTSD, so I leaf through my dog journal looking for entries on the subject. Dear Diary, Tia the Food Snatcher. Tia's going hungry during her early life set the tone for her behavior around food ever since. Whenever we walk, she's learned to look far ahead for anything edible. She keeps the leash slack so she has enough play to leap forward and snatch whatever she's seen. Then I have to pry it out of her mouth, which she resists, and if she swallows, there may be a bout of throwing up in the house, but I can't get her to stop no matter what I do. Dear Diary, Tia the Faker. When we run into an aggressive dog who's growling and barking as their owner restrains them, Tia will pull tight on her leash and growl as if to attack but it's a totally fake, aggressive routine that comes from her days on the street. She had to posture as if she would give another dog a good fight. When we walk away from one of her mock aggressions, I say, 
Tia, you're such a phony. And she looks up at me and wags her tail. Dear Diary, Tia the bed warmer. I've never been one to let a dog sleep in my bed. All that shedding hair and dirty paws. So Tia, like all the rest of my dogs, is forbidden to get up on my bed. When I enter the apartment and feel a warm spot in the middle of the bed, she's already in hiding. A few times, I gave her a real smack to retrain her, but it's never worked. The joy of sleeping in my bed overwhelms her fear of any possible punishment. I start a new journal entry. Dear Diary, shame on me. Eliminating Tia's three PTSD-related core behaviors, the food snatcher, the faker, and the bed warmer, have become a contest of wills with her. I seem determined to dominate Tia, but these three behaviors are core to who Tia is, and no matter how much I try, she will never give them up. I must respect that, which I type in all capital letters. Being her supposed master has allowed me to use any means necessary to get her to stop her PTSD-related behavior, which she will never do. I think back to how brutal I've been at times, and I feel deeply ashamed. The amazing thing about Tia is that she can forgive and forget my behavior. And for that, I am truly grateful. From our early days together, all the way up until now, Tia has shown me that to be a good friend is to accept someone as they are. It's one of the greatest lessons that I've learned from her. When I phone my friends, many of whom dearly love Tia, and tell them about Abdul's threat, they all advise me to move. Except for the lawyer, of course, who says he'll represent us for free and file a police report. But when I think of her scarfing up a little piece of poisoned meat, I feel heartsick, so I decide to move and look for a new place. As I'm moving the last of my furniture out into the rental van, Ahmed comes out and says, I think you've made a wise decision, my friend. Stop by for a drink, anytime, compliments at the house. And I'm sure he means what he says. Tia, however, would never walk down that block again for the rest of her days. Compulsive Storyteller is written by me, Greg Lefebvre, and co-produced with Peter Kokoma, who has also made our theme song. If you enjoyed this week's episode, we'd love your help sharing the show. Please subscribe to The Compulsive Storyteller for free on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen. And if you would leave a review, that would be fantastic. Follow the show on Instagram at The Compulsive Storyteller, and check out our website for more information at thecompulsivestoryteller.com. Thanks for listening, and if you don't like this one, the next one will be another story.